I love to tell the old, old story. Tell you, I was, my eyes was tearing up as I was just thinking of my grandmother. And uh, that was, we always called that her song. And I love that song. And um, I remember those old, old stories. And it has shaped me into who I am today. And I'm thankful for that. And I was in the middle of doing a uh, transfer for uh, a funeral home this week. And I was talking to one of the nurses. And as we began to talk, and she was telling me about some things going on in her life. And she didn't know who I was. And I don't know who she was. But right there in the parking lot of that hospital as we was walking out. I shared Jesus with her, and she said, it's the story that I had heard all my life. And she said, when I was at my lowest, that's the only one I could call on. God puts people in our place for reasons, and that is the reason that a lot of times you remember the old saying, sometimes you are the only Bible that people read. So I hope that it is reflective of that old, old story about how Christ died for us, the most miserable of people. Paul said, of, of sinners who I am chief among, but yet God in his rich mercy reached down to where we was and lift us out of that miry clay, as the psalmist says, and established our goings on a solid rock. Amen. The greatest question of all is... Is the Bible really the Word of God? And we just sang that song, I love to tell the story of Jesus and all the glory, all of those scriptural ideas. So is this Bible really the Word of God? Now, there would be some that would say that portions are. There would be some that would say some of it is relevant, while others would say none at all. But if it's not really the Word of God, I would say that we are all wasting our time. This morning, we're all wasting our time on, on singing, on playing, on, on studying, whatever the case may be. We're wasting our time. If, if so, if it is the Word of God, then nothing else even compares in its importance. The Word of God is, or the Bible rather, is the Word of God. And I, I want to give you some reasonings behind that because I, I, I've been encountered in times past of those that will say, well, give me proof that it's the Word of God. And there's nothing greater for a preacher when someone tries them on these kinds of things. It's called in seminary apologetics. Why do we believe what we believe? How to defend what we believe? If we say this is the word of God, then we should be able to defend that, right? If we say that Christ died for us, we should be able to defend that Christ did die for us. How do we know? It was a personal experience. 
I mean, we obviously wasn't there, right? We didn't see it happening, but thankfully there is historical evidence of it happening. There's that personal relationship, that change in our life that uh, brings about proof that it happened. But why is the Word of God, or rather, I keep messing that up, why is the Bible the Word of God? You know, there'll be some that says the Quran is the Word of Allah, the Word of God. I beg to differ. The word of God is tested, is tried, is true. And I want to give you a few reasons as to why. Number one, because of its unity and perfection. Because of its unity and perfection. We're going to look at 2 Timothy this morning, uh, chapter number 3. And we're going to look at this one verse. And this one verse is where everything uh, comes from for the message this morning. And of course, I'll give you some more along the way. But... Um, I'm focusing this message on this particular uh, passage as it is uh, Timothy uh, writing here. Um, it's an epistle, obviously, to um, he, he's writing it to some, some councils and, and some exhortionists, and, and he's trying to, to educate them on what the Word of God is and their place and, and how to uh, teach others. And so he comes to this in chapter number 3 and verse number 16. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word, God. We're thankful for the promises that are contained in your word. And Lord, how that you fulfill those promises uh, to us. And Lord, we're so thankful this morning for your grace and and God, the mercy that you have given to us, the forgiveness that we have uh, through uh, your shed blood on the cross of Calvary. And God, I pray that you would hide me behind that blessed cross this morning. God, that these dear folk not see and hear me, but Lord, that they would hear you this morning. Lord, speak to our hearts. Perhaps there's one that is lost that may be listening. God, we pray that you would convict their heart that they be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, for that one that maybe is backslidden, maybe that's not as close to you as they once was, God, we pray you would convict them as well. Lord, that they would repent and return to you. And Father, for whatever you do here this morning, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is the Bible the Word of God? Number one, I believe that it is because of its unity and its perfection. What a great library of books is found within the book. Over 40 different uh, authors here writing over a period of roughly 1,600 uh, years. And it's all agreeing on one central theme. And that is the redemption of man. From the very fall all the way to Revelation, there is a a plan that has been laid in motion for redemption that uh, cultivated there at Calvary's cross. And beyond that, the church age is for people to spread that gospel until his coming again, which may be very soon. They all agree on this one central theme here 
uh, compared to any other literary work. It is a, a, a giant. The great classics that have been written down through the years shrink at it. Uh, these books of the, of the cults do not even compare to it. There are no contradictions in the Word of God, despite what some will say. There are no contradictions. It is always right. It's unity. It's perfection. It's inerrant, fully inspired. By, the, by God himself. So not only because of its unity and perfection, but because of the fulfilled prophecy that is found. There are so many uh, prophecies in the word of God, some of which have not happened yet, some of which I think are happening as we speak. Some things will happen in the near future, but nonetheless there are many prophecies in the Word of God. We have the empires of Daniel's prophecy, the turn of Israel, uh, and and the subsequent uh, dispersion of Israel, the prophecies concerning Christ. Remember Isaiah talked about his birth. How that he would come and how that even even then the government would be upon his shoulder. Remember how the king actually sent out uh, those, look, the wise men trying to, to tell him where this king was going to be born. And his, his motive behind that was so that he could have him killed even before or at the time that Christ was born. And then all through his life, we see where the government was always upon him, especially in the last three years of his life, his public ministry, when when all the naysayers were following him around, right? He had great crowds coming to hear him uh, teach and preach. And the thing about great crowds is not all of those people were supporters. There were a lot of those in the crowd that were naysayers, those that were doubting, those that were, if you will, making notes of things that he was doing and and maybe that was contradicting their religious ideology, their religious laws of the day, and ultimately dying on the cross of Calvary. The place of his birth was prophesied, Micah chapter 5. How it wouldn't be in some palace, it wouldn't be in some uh, grand ordeal, That it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be in a hotel that they tried to get in. But instead it would be in a stable, very lowly, very humble. His rejection was prophesied. We spoke of that just a moment ago. Isaiah 53 talks about his rejection and his death. And how that it would happen. And isn't it amazing how it happened. Just as it said it would. Prophecies concerning Christ. Prophecies concerning the last days. Ezekiel chapter 37 teaches us the return of the Jews to their homeland. The rise in Ezekiel chapter 38, 39. The rise of Russia. So we see all of this fulfilled prophecy. And that it should be enough for us to. Take to heart its accuracy, how it is true of the Word of God. So, preacher, what about all of the advances in science? Uh, you know, the Bible can't compare to science, right? We believe the Bible is the Word of God because of its unity, its perfection, because of its fulfilled prophecy, but also because of its scientific accuracy. Scientific accuracy. Now, the Bible is not primarily a book of 
science. Yet we know that when it speaks on a a scientific fact, then it is right. Uh, Take into account Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, the creation of man. How that creation of man in all of the intricacies that are within our bodies, isn't it fascinating how our bodies work? I mean, if you really sit down and really look at all of the systems and and the organs and how they all work together, how they all um, correlate one with another, and, and, and oftentimes one really can't function without the other, and vice versa. But even within your eyes, the amount of of um, neurons and, and, and all of those things that are in your eyes. And to be able to see, you know, to look, at, look out and see you, and of course, unfortunately, y'all seeing me, uh, but nonetheless, all of these things. And to say that that just happened. <laughs> that, it, that there's some things uh, there's, uh, that we evolved uh, from a fish in the water that... That became a, and I'm probably rusty on all this because I haven't had this since high school, uh, but it, we, we took a process of evolving. And then you have those that said that we evolved from, uh, from apes and how we turned into mankind. Then you have some that say that there was this explosion that happened, and because of that explosion that everything became in existence. I heard a comedian one time say, Uh, He could probably agree with that one more than any of them because God spoke and bang, there it was. Big bang theory. But anyway, uh, so we have all of these things. And so how is creation talking about uh, when we talk about God spoke and and how he formed man and he formed a female and, and how they would cohabitate together. And then the systems within the body, how he put Adam to sleep, remember, took a rib, made the woman to be his helpmate and all these things. But then if you want to get a little bit deeper, uh, preacher, that's on the outside. What about the intricate details on the inside? Leviticus chapter 17 teaches us about the blood. The blood is the life of you. It's the life of me. There is life in blood. I heard an illustration of a gentleman, 13 years old, was in a bad accident. and He was of a religion, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to mention the religion because I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that preacher of talking down on others for their beliefs. But um, they, they didn't believe in blood transfusions, and that 13-year-old, because of that, died. Had he had had a blood transfusion, he would have lived. He would have survived. That teaches us there's life in the blood. Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary. What did he say to his disciples as they were uh, meeting in that great upper room and, and they were having their last meal together? He said, take, eat, this is the body which was given to you. Take, drink, for this is my blood shed for you. There's life in blood. For those that question the earth. Is it round or is it flat? Isaiah 40 tells us that the earth is round. 
Of course, there's other reasons to know that the earth is not flat, right? I mean, you can only drive so far, and if you don't fall off, then that means you're keeping continuously going, right? So the earth is definitely not flat. Job chapter 26 talks about the earth in space. So all of these things, the rotation of the earth is even found in Luke chapter 17. You, you, some would say, well, preacher, that's all Old Testament. Old Testament doesn't apply to us. We can't take nothing from the Old Testament. For those that maybe want some New Testament, the rotation of the earth is found in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse number 34. The Bible nullifies every scientific attack that comes against it with something that is true and accurate. Fourthly, why do we believe the Bible is the Word of God? Because of its accuracy. It's accuracy. And it's guaranteed by Jesus Christ Himself. What did He say in uh, Matthew 24? He said that heaven and earth may pass away, but my words shall not pass away. These words here have lived on through generation after generation. They will continue generations to come should the Lord tarry His coming. These words have been the words of the apostles. Can you believe? Can you imagine holding the very scriptures that the apostles wrote? The early church fathers had had these scriptures and and as they studied and and learned and, and got close to God, and that's the same thing that you and I have today all these thousands of years later it's accuracy heaven and earth may pass away but my word shall not pass away john chapter 10 the scripture cannot be broken it cannot be true story back in my hometown um, south Pontotoc school uh, part of the building caught on fire, and the building was destroyed, except for one room in that building, the Bible class. And those Bibles were unharmed. The room around it was unharmed. The only thing standing <laughs> was that room and those Bibles. The Word of God cannot be broken. Word of God cannot be destroyed. Scripture will be fulfilled. Mark chapter 14 tells us that that all these scriptures, so we know the scriptures that have already been fulfilled. Look at those that are yet awaiting. So we know what is ahead. And some would say, are you not scared of those things that are going to happen as the book of Revelation talks about? And I'm like, no, I'm not afraid. I'm not going to endure those things because I am a Christian. I've placed my faith in Christ and I know that the church will be called out before those things. The things men disbelieve in the Bible are confirmed by Christ. The creation, as we talked about, Matthew chapter 19, Christ talks about all of the creation and how God made it. In uh, chapter uh, number 24 of Matthew, he speaks of Noah and the great flood because there's been so many questions over uh, whether this flood really happened. Was it possible? 
to flood the whole earth? Absolutely. I believe I had read somewhere, and I'm, I probably am misspeaking because I don't have it referenced in front of me, but uh, I read somewhere recently, and that's probably been in the last couple years, okay, uh, recently where they had found what they believed to be um, remains of an ark that would have been used during this time frame in a place that was not underwater but could have been at some point Noah really happened. The flood really happened. Jonah and the whale really happened because it's possible. Sodom and Gomorrah, Luke chapter 17, Christ talks about those things as well. Matthew chapter 12, I mentioned Jonah. Christ talks about Jonah and the great well. So everything that men try to twist and turn and and shape the scripture to fit their ideology is nullified by Christ. And I I get excited sometimes when, and I'm not no great apologetist, don't don't misunderstand me this morning, but I get excited sometimes when people will call this out and they'll have it so twisted. And then I'll be like, do you know what that really says? Do you know what that really means? Because a lot of times you'll need to read a few verses before and perhaps even a few verses after to get the meaning of that, right? But we don't like to do that because that that tears everything up that we're trying to prove, right? Because of its accuracy is guaranteed by Jesus Christ. And then finally this morning, I believe the Word of God, or the Bible is the Word of God, because it works. It works. Years ago, and you may remember this, I don't know, uh, y'all may not, um, there was a product um, out that... Um, of course, you know, everybody is, especially around this time of year, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in the best shape of my life, and I'm going to stick to it. I go buy a year membership at the gym, go twice, and never see that place again. There was a product out, and I'm talking probably, it's less than 10 years ago, but within the last 10 years, um, and it was called It Works. Um, many of you may have heard of it. I don't know. I'm not promoting it. I don't even know if they're still in business, but I'm just saying. I tried that, and it didn't work, all right? Uh, but nonetheless, that was their whole thing about it works. You, you apply this stuff, and, and, and you, you, you go about your daily life, and, and the, the pounds will just shed off of you. As I said, they, it was false advertisement, all right? Um, it was it was badly misnamed because it did not work. But I can tell you what does work. Acts chapter 16 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I know that works. I know that works for a fact. In 2 Corinthians, Paul was writing to Church of Corinth. He said that when you put on Christ, you are a new creature in Christ. I know that works because I've seen that work, Right? I've seen that drunk in the ditch of the, on the highway become a, a leading a preacher, pastor in, in some of the largest churches throughout the Delta and, and North Mississippi. I've seen that work. Second Timothy chapter 3, what we just read. I know it works because it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction. If we want something that works, we need to get to the Word of God. 
We don't need to worry about our uh, rock show concerts and our flags and mirrors and our stage lightings and you know whatever else there may be in today's church. We just need to get back to the Word of God. Let the Word of God speak and let the Word of God do what the Word of God does. And that is through the power of Christ changes lives. Can I encourage you this week to allow the Word to work in you, to, to turn it loose in your life, to allow this scripture uh, to, to teach you of the doctrines of, of faith, the doctrines of the church, the doctrines that Christ uh, talked about, to allow the scripture uh, to reprove and correct you where we are wrong and to instruct in righteousness. To instruct in righteousness. To turn it loose to respond to its teaching. You know, there's hardly ever response today. In the early churches, and, and we actually did this at a, uh, uh, my home church, my home church back in uh, Mississippi. We, uh, and I think there's actually some in the back of the hymnal. I'm not quite sure, but I think uh, I'm, I'm used to the, I don't know if y'all remember the, I think it was the edition before this. It was the white back hymnals. I know there was some in there, uh, but nonetheless, it's called responsive readings. And in the back of that, you would have like the leader, usually a pastor or maybe a deacon or, or, you know, a lay leader in the church would read one part and the congregation would read the other. It was just kind of, you know, that's responsive. That's being responsive to the word. Usually it was a psalm or, or some sort, but nonetheless. But then we, we, we've gotten away from that and now we will hear the message proclaimed. And, and I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with anyone here for not responding. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying the church as a whole, the Christian church as a whole, has gotten away from responding to the gospel. It's like we've hardened our hearts. And I believe that if there are some things that doesn't change, if some great revival does not sweep through this country of ours, this world of ours, then there will come a day where there will be no response at all to the Word of God because our hearts are so hardened that I'm good enough, that I don't need that religion, I don't need that Bible-thumping, whatever they call us preachers these days. I don't need that. I can worship God anywhere. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one. I can go out in my backyard, and that is true. And I would encourage you to do that, but I also encourage you to be right here on Sunday, right? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And with that, I would say this. Will you allow the Word to work in you this week? Just to take time with Him, whether it's morning, whether it's evening, and really dig in the Word of God and have that response to what Christ tells us in his word as we'll stand we'll give a moment of invitation if you would like to come the altar is open you can pray right where you're sitting would you just simply tell the lord lord help me to be more dedicated you know we're still semi-fresh in the new year and it's hard to believe we're already in february still fresh but lord for the remainder of the year help me to be faithful to your word help me to be faithful to your church help me to be more desirous to share the gospel with this lost and dying world 
I trust that is your prayer as we sing together.